Hello, everyone. It's time for the Geary, Stein, and Stevens Show. The show that covers everything from sports to politics to news to entertainment and everything in between. And now your hosts, Troy Geary, Will Stein, and Dave Stevens. Welcome, 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 everybody. Hello, I am, of course, Dave Stevens coming to you from the home office here in Bristol, Connecticut. And I am so, so, so excited for tonight's show. I've tried to dress the part. I, I hope you can tell that uh, we are going to have some fun tonight. And the reason that we're going to have some fun is because our guest tonight is an amazing, accomplished person. But let me tell you, let's see. Monday, Monday, happy days. Monday, Wednesday, happy days. Thursday, Friday. Does that song, Troy, does that song ring a bell to you? Oh, yeah, I think that's a pretty famous song. Yeah. All right. Well, let me bring in our guest tonight. It is, uh, of course, amazing to have actor, producer, extraordinary, everything, talented singer. I mean, we're going to talk about so many things tonight. Uh, Don Most joining us tonight uh, from California. looks like you've got uh, the lights on in the background, Don. Thanks for joining us tonight. Yeah, fun little... This is a photograph I took many years ago from the Plaza Hotel, some penthouse suite overlooking Central Park. And I liked it so much um, that I blew it up really huge. And I, I forgot I even had it. It was in my garage. So I decided I'd use it as a, a nice, interesting, different you backdrop. Can't take, you can't take New York out of the kid, can you? You still That's got right. that Brooklyn in you. I'm a Brooklyn boy. And, uh, you know, it, it is so awesome. We're going to reminisce about uh, your career. But, you know, you also come with your own theme song. It's a very little known thing, I think. But uh, oh. I got to play it for us. Yeah, I think I know. This is a very special place. They say once every once every hundred years in this spot, Donnie Most rises from the mist. Right. I think that's just a legend. Well, that's because you're... Do you remember <gasps> this? I do remember it. I read very well. Let's... What was the feedback? It was just, it seemed like it was such an obscure thing to appear on uh, an episode of, of uh, Family Guy, you know? Yeah, is it running? It seems to be, uh, I don't hear the audio. It's it's playing, and there you oh. are, back in the day. Oh, it is playing. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was, that was a crazy little bit. Um, Seth MacFarlane uh, called, you know, they called my agent and said, uh, now. We have this thing we want to do with about Don or Don, Don and Donnie, and um, and if 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 Don doesn't want to do it, we're going to do it regardless. But we'd love for him to do the voice if if he's if he's cool with it. And um, you know they didn't know how I'd respond to the humor, uh, but when I when I saw it on the script, they sent it to me. I, I thought it was hilarious, and then I hadn't even heard the song yet. So when I came in. And uh, Seth was there to, to, to sort of oversee it, and they played it for me. I was cracking up. I thought it was thought it was just brilliant. And a lot of people, I hear from a lot of people about it. It wasn't your first foray into cartoons, though, by the way. And I, I have also pulled this out of the vaults uh, of the uh, Don Most Acting Archives. Let me see what this one is. Do you remember? Happy Days animated cartoon. All right. Oh, yes. Yeah, that was my first uh, experience doing uh, a voice for a cartoon. That was the very first one for me. 
How about it, Rich? No more demand, okay? There we go. Sorry about that. Seems like they just kind of overuse you guys and said, you know, hey, here's 20 bucks. Can you do a voice on a cartoon? Like, I mean, is that was that really kind of how it was in those days? You guys didn't have residuals and things like that. And yeah, you know, I'm not getting I don't see any. I don't think I see any residuals on that cartoon. Maybe once in a blue moon. But um, I mean, they paid us at the time. You know, it was for for at the time it seemed decent and fair. Um, you know, nothing like what what uh, some of the uh, salaries and, and payments became later on. Uh, you know, like I was making the first year of Happy Days, I think I was making a thousand dollars an episode. You know, far cry from uh, when you hear about some of the ones later on. But but it was good money at the time, and uh, so you know I couldn't really complain. Uh, for those that don't know, of course, you said earlier you're from Brooklyn. You went to a pretty famous high school, uh, Erasmus yeah. High. Uh, yeah. A lot of guys like uh, Neil Diamond, Barbara Streisand, Bobby Fischer, Michael Rappaport, uh, to name a few. What memories do you have of Erasmus? Uh, I mean, when I saw a picture of it, it looked like a big Catholic cathedral. Um, you just going <laughs> to talk about uh, growing up and uh, going to school there. Oh, I have great memories. Um, yeah, I grew up... Uh... The, about three blocks from the high school, which is in the Flatbush section of Brooklyn. Um, you know, all this sounds like cliches, but grew up playing, you know, uh, touch football in the street with the cars go, go, going by sewer. Our goal lines were the sewers, you know, sewer, the sewer caps. And um, the subway was right near there. Um, I was able to walk to my high school. Uh, the high school Erasmus was was rather large. It was one of the biggest high schools. Um, I think our we had seven, eight thousand people so, to the point where we they had split shifts. You would either go in a morning session or an afternoon session because to handle that amount of people. And it, it was a huge. It even had like a campus in the center. Um, so it almost felt like, in some ways, like a little college. Um, but great memories. You know, had a um, lot, lot of lot of great friendships that developed there. I was on my, uh, on the swimming team, became a co-captain in my senior year. So um, just a lot of great, great memories. And like you said, um, there was a great legacy from that high school with some of those, some of the famous alumni. So it's um, nice, to, nice to be a part of that. It's yeah. Really, really so cool. And, you know, and, and, you know, of course you got your chops. I had to dress up a little bit tonight. This is the best I could do on uh, short notice kind of, you know, give you that look here, but, uh, but, uh, I'm, I want to play a little bit of some of your highlights from those fun years on ABC. Uh, so take back, sit and listen and, and watch Don in action. All right. See you at the party. I don't have to bring my rubber nose. Mine's still swollen. <laughs> I still got it. Now look, you're going to have to grow up. Just talk to your father. Okay. Better, you get Richie to do it. <laughs> I still got it. <laughs> ah, you'll love my moose burgers. They go down very nicely. Yes, right. but do they stay down? <laughs> I still got it, even in the new world. Yeah. <laughs> but won't stop yeah. Hey, Pop? Pop? I'm leaving. <laughs> you did it again, Ralph. <laughs> I, I still got it, Pop. <laughs> hey, hey. 
Let's go home and scare your mother. All right. <laughs> Well, I mean, you see those things. You always got the good lines. You had a catchphrase. And and now, I don't know if you realize you're a meme and you're in all kinds of social media things where they just use clips of you and things like that. I mean. Well, yeah, I've seen a few. I'm not sure I've seen them all. It's pretty. What are your your memories when you see that? I mean, we're talking 50-ish years ago, this young redheaded kid out there, fresh off of an episode of Room 222 to suddenly on ABC sitcoms. Yeah. Crazy. Uh, I had come out from New York um, for the summer of 1973. Uh, originally, just to, it was after my junior year in college, and, I, and I'd been pursuing acting and singing since I was about 13 in New York. And, and, um, and I was starting to do pretty well uh, with a lot of TV commercials. And, but I wanted to come out to LA because that's where most of the film and TV was, was being shot at that time. Very little New York, uh, some films once in a while, but no, no real television production except for soap operas. So um, I went out there thinking it'll be uh, a good time to make some contacts so that after I graduated, I'd, um, I'd come back out and be able to hit the ground running, so to speak. So I went out just for the summer and I wound up, yeah, I was able to get an agent pretty quickly from some of the work I'd been doing in New York. And I, you mentioned I went out on for a room 222, and I landed. That was my first role out there, and then I, then I also got a role in a show called Emergency, and um, and I was supposed to go back to college after that. And my agent said, you, you know, you've got some, some momentum going. Maybe you should take six months off of school and let's keep it going. And and I made that instant decision. Yes, that's what I'm going to do. And um, uh, you know, I got another part in something, but then it was very, not nothing. It got slow for me, and I thought, oh, I made a big mistake. But then um, it was sometime in November, late October, um, I, I got an audition for a new show. They said it's about the 50s. It's a pilot. And um, I, I met, I had one meeting with some of the exec producers, then a second meeting with Gary Marshall, the, the creator and executive producer, who had the odd couple on TV at the time. And then, uh, and then they called me back again for a screen test. And, um, that, and then that was it. I mean, then I, they, I, did the, uh, I did the pilot and then they told us within a couple of weeks that we were gonna be a mid-season replacement and we were, and we started shooting really quickly. It happened so fast. And uh, it, you know, it was an amazing, amazing experience for me working with that incredible cast and and wonderful uh, people behind the scenes, as I mentioned, Gary Marshall, who was a comic genius, and and our director Jerry Paris, another comic genius. Gary and Jerry had worked together on the Dick Van Dyke Show, where Jerry had directed that, and Gary was one of the main writers. So we had, and then some other great producers that came on board. So um, it was a dream come true, you know. It was just uh, uh, amazing and. And here I was working with Ron Howard, which was surreal for me because when I was a kid, we were about the same age. We both had red hair. And when I was young, six years, seven years old, I looked a lot like Ron did back then. And people used to come up to me and call me Opie all the time. So, I mean, this was something I had growing up. And then here I was working with Ron. It was like, this is 
this is too bizarre. It was very, very uh, surreal, but wonderful. Uh, what do you enjoy most? I mean, you've been acting, you're directing, and you also were a singer. A singer. Um, if you had to pick one, which one would you pick if you could? You know, people ask me that. It's so hard because I love them all. Um, I, I, I really do. I, I'd probably pick the acting and singing neck and neck. Um, uh, may, you know, acting, singing was my first love. I was doing it when I was 14, turning 15, singing in nightclubs in the Catskill Mountains one summer, the summer of 68. And um, so that was what I set out to, that was really my first love. And I knew acting, I wanted to pursue that, but I was so into the singing thing and, and I was doing it at such a young age. Um, and I thought I really made it. But um, then I switched my focus towards acting after that summer and, um, and put the music aside, knowing I'd come back to it. So it's a tough, I, I prefer those, I love directing, but, I, but there's the visceral aspect of performing, whether it be as an actor or a singer, that you don't get. The director is more like almost a manager of a baseball team, where the actor and singer, you're up at bat and you're in the moment of having to perform. So I, I'd probably pick, probably acting, uh, but singing is like right, right there behind it. And that's good to know. And when we come back, uh, we'll show you a little bit about uh, what uh, Don is talking about. But first, let me tell you about why I look so good all the time on this show and why Troy and everybody, that's because I'm wearing fresh, clean threads. That's right, these amazing lightweight shirts that feel good, look good. They've got Henley's long shirt, long sleeves. Uh, I've got a great bomber coat. And of course, you can save 20% off by going to freshcleanthreads.com, typing in the show code GSS Show. For 20% off to get the great clothes so you look good and you want to dance and you'll feel as good as I do when I'm out there having fun doing the cha-cha-cha. Again, fresh, clean threads. And uh, Don, I, I, I got to bring in something too because this song has been on my mind ever since I found it. So let's take a little bit of the old Don or maybe the old Donnie and some of the new. Check this out. All right. Asked if I lost my way. beautiful sights and sounds of Mr. Don most. So Don, I mean, tell us about what they did. It seemed like everybody that had a show in those days, they said, let's get them out. Let's get Travolta out there. Let's get, you know, is that how it worked in those days or how did those opportunities come along? Cause that's kind of a catchy tune. It was in the top, I think 100 in the charts for a little bit. Well, um, yeah, I, I, like I said, I do my homework. So yeah, yeah. I couldn't hear the audio. Was it all roads? Yes. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, that actually got in the top 40. Um, yeah, what, what happened was, you know, as I mentioned, I, I was singing before I was acting. So um, what happened was I had an interview for some 
some magazine I can't remember, and then the the guy who was uh, interviewing me was friends with a record producer, and when he heard during the interview that I uh, started out really singing more than acting, um, he's he knew you know the show was pretty hot at the time. We probably were number one, so he said, "Well, let me let's I'm going to introduce you to this producer. His name was Danny Jordan, and." Um, Maybe you know we might be able to get you a record deal because of the of the popularity of the show. So that's what actually happened. Uh, but you know the music that I really loved, as you saw in the later clip, is I love all the standards, the jazz standards, uh, big band swing, um, the Great American Songbook. But they wouldn't let me do that kind of music. You know I was in my twenties. It was nineteen late seventies, and that kind of music was at that time not. In, in favor like it is today, it was it was looked on as your parents or grandparents' music. And so they wanted me to do more rock and, you know, pop and rock stuff. So, you know, I, it wasn't my my real love, but I but I said, well, it'll be a great experience and, and maybe we could find some material that'll be that I like because I liked all kinds of music. And that that's how that came about. Um, now you know, my, the CD that is out now, and I have a new one coming out soon, but the one that was is came out about five years ago, it's, I started doing the standards and, and doing clubs, jazz clubs and theaters, and, and, and that's what my CD, it's called The Most Mostly Swinging, with a great big band and a lot of, a lot of the, you know, stand, kind of Sinatra kind of stuff, and Bobby Darren, who, who was my main man, I saw Bobby at the Copacabana when I was 18 years old, and he was a major influence to, on me. So, so that's what you'll see in the in more recent stuff and the new one that's coming out. Um, the, the, we have a single out already, but the CD will be coming out probably with the end of, um, end of May, I think. What do the fans want to hear when you're you know, singing out there? I mean, do they expect you to sing... 50s you know rock and roll songs or the happy days theme or are they kind of shocked like holy cow he's doing mac the knife and you know all these great standards right yeah at, at the very beginning people were were pretty surprised and you know didn't expect it and, and they were like wow we didn't know you could do this and how come you didn't sing more on happy days and um and that's a whole long story for another show but but yeah they were pretty surprised and what i what i would do is i did put in um, but, but but they really liked it. And then as word got out a little bit more of what I was doing, you know, some press would, came down and I got some really good reviews and and people started becoming more aware of what I was doing. And, and they, they love it. You know, I mean, they they'd come back. A lot of people come back to see me again and again, which I, which was a great compliment. But, um, you know, I I I told I decided and a lot of my shows I would put in this one area where I would address the, the music of the 50s and I would do a, a really fun rock and roll medley, a 50s rock and roll medley, the way I would want to do it. I Like if I got to sing more on Happy Days, something that I would have done. And it's like, you know, it's like um, a whole lot of shaking and 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 um, Johnny Be Good type of stuff, roll over Beethoven and just have a great time with that. So at least I address that. We get to tell a little story, some stories about the show in the in the fifties, and, and so so it's not like the elephant in the room, like you know everybody waiting to hear about that.
Well, before Troy jumps in, I got to ask one more follow-up question on that. I mean, did you learn to play the drums or like what, like when you guys were had the band, I mean, was there any musical <laughs> other than Anson well, or like, how did that work? Yeah. Well, I mainly on the show, main, they had me on the piano for the most That's part. That's right. Yeah. There's some of the early shows, they had me on saxophone too, but it was mainly piano. And I played a little piano growing up. I took lessons so I could play a little bit enough to, to, to fake it pretty good. But, you know, I wasn't really playing and, um, you know, and Ron wasn't really playing the saxophone and, and, and the drummer, you know, the bag that we had as a drummer at one point. So, but, but we had a lot of fun, you know, trying to make it look like we were really playing. Uh, each week we ask our uh, viewers to submit a question and we have one from, uh, let's see here. It's going to pop up on the screen here. Dave, you got it up. Try I don't I can't find the graphic so do you, can you just read it? Oh okay. I'm going to have yeah. to look it up. We'll uh, we'll go to another question and then I'll come back to that one. All right, you um, ask your question we'll find it. And and yeah. And I, um, live TV. Yeah, should, sorry about that. that we really did the singing though. Anson did the singing uh, for the, I did backup um, so that was all real. Okay. Uh, since you you know you're from New York, are you uh uh, True Blue uh, Dodgers fan now since you're in LA, been in LA for a while or you still uh, have the Yankee pinstripes uh, flowing through your veins? Well, I was a huge Yankee fan growing up, a major fan. So it took a while, but, you know, I, probably after I'd been out here about 20, you know, I started going to some games because I loved, the, loved uh, being a baseball fan. So I'd go to Dodgers Stadium a lot, but I wasn't a fan of the Dodgers. Um, then it was, you know, about 20 years late. Joe Torre became the manager one year. And um, so so then I got it, started getting into them. And that, then I kind of switched over and became a Dodger fan. Um, but, you know, I'll always have some Yankee spirit and Yankee blood or something in me, you know. And, and Don, you guys, uh, you know, you had quite a softball team back in the day i mean yeah. you guys had all kinds of battles and things that that you guys were legendary for for playing in you know that that happy day softball team traveled around the country played in big league stadiums i mean what are some of your memories of that oh that was a, what a what a dream and fan you know talk about fantasy camp um getting to play in all those major league parks and and be, before the regular game our game would take place so what would happen, we'd get to go out there on the field and, and I'd go out in the outfield because I was an out, I played center field and I'd go out there while the, while the pros were having batting practice and be out there with some of the other players shagging flies and, you know, and, and just shooting the breeze with them. And every once in a while, even getting up in the cage and getting to do a little batting practice and meeting all these guys and being in the dugout, um, it was insane. It was like, we loved it so much. And I was really into baseball. So I was, I was a good ball player. I hit not out over the fence because it was softball, but I hit home runs in a lot of those parks, you know, what you'd call an inside the park Homer, um, hit it in the gap and, you know, and make it around the bases. So, um, I had a bunch of home runs and wonderful memories. Gary Marshall was the one who organized that he, he loved sports and baseball he knew that Ron and Ron was a big baseball, uh, loved to play, and 
and he knew, he knew that we had some good ball players and um, put together a team and he knew it would be a great way to sort of keep our us as a family, which we already were, but but it was um, an amazing experience for us off off the set and you know away from the camera. And we, we talk a little bit about you know your time on that show. Uh, you know, we you were there for I think it was seven seasons. And, yes. You know, and, and I know at, at a certain point you you you're doing a character. That if the character doesn't have growth, and we started seeing people come and go, and you know, you talk about what that was like at the end when you knew. You know, I think we kind of we look at it and relegate it now. Jumping the shark, which of course is the famous Fonzie jumping the sharks, and that's when a show drops off. But when did you know it was your time to go? And and do you look back as that being the right choice? Good question. Tough, tough one, because um, there's many layers to it. Um, yeah, as you mentioned, I was playing one character, um, and I'd gotten, as I'd mentioned, pretty serious about acting, and I was when I. I was not looking for the first couple of parts, except for Room 222. The other parts I got were dramatic parts. I did um, Emergency, where I played a guy who became paralyzed in a car accident. I did a police story where I played sort of the psychopathic bomb, mad bomber. And so, but then Happy Days was the one that, you know, was the regular series and people associated me with the comedy. And, and I knew that it was, Back then, it was much tougher uh, to get away from something like that because, as you, as you know, there were three networks. You didn't have cable. You didn't have Internet. So when we were number one, we were having 50, 60 million people watching us every week. So the typecasting syndrome was much more prevalent. And, and I was not even like that character. I was never in high school. I was never the funny guy or the comedian. I knew people like that, and I based Ralph on some of those people. But I was, I was sort of the serious uh, honor student, more like Richie than I was Ralph. And and yet here I am now, being associated kind of with that character. And um, I, I knew I, there was so much more I wanted to do as an actor. Um, and and then I felt the show. I did feel the show by after the fifth season. I, I in the sixth season. I was really feeling it like we had reached a point where it wasn't growing anymore and it was starting to get a little, I don't know, just repetitious and, and sometimes a little over the top silly. And and I, I was starting to feel like I needed, maybe it's time to move on uh, it, but by the sixth season, but I stayed for the sixth season. And then when the contract, uh, the, the contract was up after the seventh season, um, both Ron Howard, and myself, it wasn't just me that made that decision. Ron left at the same time because our contracts were now up, and and um, you know, Ron obviously wanted he, he wanted as long as I knew him, he wanted to direct, you know. And and I actually even worked with him on a project. He asked me to develop it with him and to star in it, so to make an experimental film, to show a calling card for him to show that he to direct. And we did this sometime in that fourth or fifth season, I think sixth season, I can't remember. And then he wound up getting to direct, um, uh, before we even finished, he was able to get his first directing assignment. Was that Roger. the Gumball Rally? Was that the one? Uh, it was, uh, well, it was for Roger, for Roger Corman. It was either um, Grand Theft Auto or there was another, he did two, 
two with Roger, so I can't remember which one it was, but that was his first directing assignment. So, so he left and I left that same after the seventh season. And, um, and it was tough because, uh, you know, here I was thinking, yes, it's going to be, it is going to be tough, but, but I didn't expect it to be now part. I, I made the problem even rougher than it could have been because I told my agent, I, I just want to try to do films and theater. I don't want to do television right now. So there were opportunities for me to continue there, but I, I sort of, you know, had burned that bridge, not, not burned the bridge, but I was saying, I'm, I'm not going there right now. I just want to go up for films. I went six months, nine months. I couldn't even get an audition to do a movie. They wouldn't even let me come in and, you know, read for it because they thought of me as, you know, as that character. So it was, um, it was quite a, uh, awakening, so to speak, but I kept, pushing, you know, I just kept pushing. I did, I did a bunch of theater to keep myself, you know, growing and, and keeping the instrument going. And, um, and then eventually after, you know, probably a little time, I said to my agent, okay, let's look at some TV opportunities. Cause I saw that it was just, you know, I couldn't continue uh, holding out for just film with, with back then going from a sitcom to doing movies was very difficult and it wasn't done very much. Um, it wasn't, Henry had a really tough time and he was the biggest star in television, but it was still tough for him to do that transition. You know, um, Travolta did it, but, and then Tom Hanks and, you know, back then from that period, I don't know who else, you know, it was really hard. So, so I kept pushing weight, said, I'll do some television and started getting some parts that were a little different. This one's a little more different. And this one's even more different. And then it started opening things up for me to get some independent films where I got to play different kinds of roles and um, a, a bunch of more and more films. And it just kept progressing. And I kept doing theater. And then now in the last four or five years, I've been, I was busier than I was in 20 years. I, I, I did like five movies in, in a year and a half playing all different kinds of roles from a, local pastor to a polygamist you know and then and then a, a king in one in one film and then a, a, a prison guard and then a, a career criminal and we're so, looking at some of your current stuff that uh that you've yeah, been doing you know yeah, some, some sure. roles that are really out of character for you but you play them well yeah yeah i i that's what i always loved about acting to me it was playing all different kinds of roles um and the the more diverse the better and and characters different than myself so um it's it's it was really great these last like i said these last uh three four five years uh, i've been busier th than i have been in a long time and 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 there's more coming because i'm talking to a whole bunch of a uh, bunch of producers about some film projects they want me to do that are upcoming so and i have some of my own projects that i want to do um I directed three independent films during this period of that we were talking about uh, after Happy Days. Uh, one was a drama, one was a comedy, one was a family film, and I have I'm attached to several film projects right now to direct, and hopefully they're going to move forward. And uh, as I mentioned, some some really nice acting roles are, are interesting roles are coming up as well. 
Well, I found that fa- uh, fan question done. Um, this comes from Tom Tinter from Sarasota, Florida. Bear with me. It's a little long, so I'll kind of try to condense okay. it. He said, uh, he's guessing that you're both the same age. He said back when he was younger, you'd you'd rarely see, or now these days, you'd rarely see kids on the baseball field playing on their own, no parents, just kids. He said his first hero was Mickey Mantle, and he tried to emulate his uh, swing. He said, did you play a lot of sandlot ball growing up, and did you pretend you were a ball player that you thought were special? Um, he also said in the pre-ESPN days, they were lucky that you would get one day, uh, one game a week on TV. Most times right. you listen to games on the transistor radio, and he wants yeah. to know, do you remember those times? Oh, I do indeed. And my huge hero also was Mickey Mantle, coincidentally. I love the Mick. I my my room looked like I had Mickey Mantle wallpaper. I mean, I had every inch of it covered with a photo of, of Mickey. And um, and so, yeah, I played a lot of sandlot ball. It was a place called the Parade Grounds. Um, that was uh, about four or five blocks from from my I, the apartment building I grew up in. And we they had dime, you know, all these, it was big areas. So I don't know how many baseball diamonds they had, at least six or eight, maybe more. And um, so I used to play there. A lot, and then um, and then I would emulate being Mickey. That's why I had to play center field for the Happy Days team. I I had to play center. So um, yeah, and I would I, I would probably try to copy his swing on occasion as well. Uh, so so yeah, we shared that. And I remember listening to games on the transistor radio. Um, the WPIX played a lot of the home games uh, on on t- television. So, so we did get to, I'd get to see more than one game a week, but, um, but then there were times when I'd be listening on the radio because their home games might've been blacked out and, and we'd see their away games if, if my memory serves me. Well, speaking of your memory serves you, Don, um, just like Liddy, when I embarrassed her with a, 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 a highlight from the uh, battle of the network stars, you talked about the competitiveness of that happy day softball team. And I went and found some archives. I've got two different angles, and I wonder if you remember this play in Milwaukee. You were playing uh, for the Happy Days team, and uh, again, this is uh, Al and Marion and Tom and all the people prior to the game, but of course, the game takes place. There's Henry, there's Ron, everybody out there uh, out in the field, but of course, this was a big game, and this is a big, big hit by Don Most. It looks like it's to the wall. They're sending you. It looks like I think they're going to hold you up. No, no. I think they're going to send you. No, 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 no. <laughs> and you're tagged out by Bob Euchre at home plate. Yeah, not, not, more than tagged out. I, I had like a collision. <laughs> I, it came in pretty hard. And, and there's uh, Henry talking you down. You seem like, you seem like, because we could hear the, the audio of you like, he stopped me. Then he sent me. Then he held me up. Then he sent me again. I mean, it, it would seem like it was kind of real. You were upset. I was very upset, and you saw I was even wearing number seven for the Mick. Um, yeah, what happened was I hit it, I hit it, you know, in the gap, and and I remember it. But then it went, and it hit the left field, you know, went into foul territory. It was fair, but then it, it went past the guy, went hit off the wall, I think, and bounced back. So initially they're waving me in, but then the ball came back to the guy, and he and he was like, uh oh, and then he held me up. So I had to, so I almost came to a complete stop. And then, then the, the guy fumbled the ball. So then he, he sent me, but I was like going, I don't think I should be going, you know, this looks pretty precarious, but he sent me. 
And then I was out by, you know, the guy made a great throw, and I was out by 20 feet. And there's Euchre standing, <laughs> you know, a, a big league catcher. And I just kind of tried to barrel in. I didn't know what else to do. And and I, I think I just felt so embarrassed. You know, there, there were like 40,000 people there for our game before the regular game. So I just felt like, why did he do that? He, You know, I should never have gone. And, and I felt embarrassed. And I probably lost my my temper a little bit more than I should have. But I was pretty upset. And I got hurt on the play because Yuka was big guy. And I came into him and I hit kind of awkwardly. So they put me in the training room afterwards in one of those tubs full of ice, you know. <laughs> so it was quite, quite, I do remember that vividly. That's awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm so glad I could share that with you. It's so, it's so neat. Now, now uh, how, I know you guys were close then, but do you still talk to a lot of the cast? Do you still, I know you and Anson talk a little bit, but like, do you, uh, why haven't we seen a reboot where you guys are grandparents trying to fix the troubles of these high school kids or something? Has there been any talk about doing something like that? Well, it's funny. Anson and I would talk, Anson and I are, are super close. We're like best friends. I mean, I talk to him all the time and we see each other all the time. Um, um, and he and I were talking about, and we were talking to a producer writer about it, um, who really thought uh, it was a great idea and we started developing it along the lines of what you were just saying, something like that, where, you know, we're the parents and we have kids and maybe they go, they're now at Arnold's and, 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 and Anson and I are still best buddies. And, and uh, we were developing some interesting aspects to it. And then I don't know, I think it was COVID, when COVID hit, everything sort of, you know, stopped in terms of develop uh, some of these new shows so, so, um, and then we got busy. I got busy doing other things and Nansen was busy. So um, we, we kind of, we might have to revisit that because it might be, you know, I had mixed feelings because do I want to go back and, you know, and do that again? I, I, I had some mixed feelings about that. So that's something that's still, still there. But, but if, if, if the script came out really great, you know, and, and I really liked the way they develop it, um, I'd be open to it. So we'll see. We might have to revisit that. That would be fun. Well, it's been wonderful spending a little time with you. I thank you so much for joining us and uh, kind of going down memory lane. It's It's been just tremendous to kind of pick your brain and, and get some insight. Uh, your tremendous career. I hope it keeps keeps on going and keeps on blooming. Do uh, you have anything you want to say to the fans that consider, still can, you know, that they want to hear that catchphrase or they want to see Ralph Malf? I mean, what do you, what do you tell them? <laughs> well, I, I will from time to time say I still got it. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> but um, they could look for my uh, the new the new CD that's gonna. There's a single out right now. It's called "Smoke from a Distant Fire," uh, and it's you know it's out there on Spotify and iTunes and all those places. And then um, we're gonna be releasing um, another single and the CD, uh, like I said, probably around May. May June, and um, I think we're it's there's a song called New York High, and I think that's going to be the, the single and the name of the CD. We're pretty sure. So people could look, look out for look out for the single that's out now and the CD coming out um, by June. I would say. And what's the website, or do we just get it? I don't even know where we buy records anymore. Yeah, I don't. Well, iTunes you could still get them and um, Amazon, but uh, but it's also going to be on Spotify and any of the other uh, usual suspects of uh, I, I don't know them all either 
But, and are you um, going back on the road, your band? What do you got going with that? Um, well, I was just in San Francisco doing a show up at uh, Feinstein's up there. Um, I, I think I, you know, I have a show that's lined up um, down in in, da- in the Dallas area, but but that's more of a private event. So um, we're we're lining some things up, but I took a little time off because I I was developing some of these movie projects, so I had to take a little time off. But I'll get it back up in gear soon. That's great, Don. Thank you for joining us. Thanks to all of our fans and everybody out there. Continue to follow us on social media, all platforms. I'm Dave Stevens for Troy and Don Most. It's been another great episode of Gary, Stein, and Stevens. Have a great night. We love you all. Thank you for your support. Keep following. Peace out, everybody. Thank you.